You're very interested in interaction, and in the world of mindfulness, much of what mindfulness seems to be about is a sense of going inside. So, mm-hmm. in a way, you know, what happened? What what does interaction mean to you, or how did it come about that you got so interested in it? Mm-hmm. The first piece of it comes from my history of interacting with people in a reactionary manner, and they're interacting with me in a reactionary manner, and noticing that that didn't work very well. It's the classic, common, conversational pattern of you say something and I listen to you in preparation for my reply, but I'm not really listening to you. I'm not hearing how it is for you. Mm -hmm. And throughout my life, I mean, I I can't really say when when I became conscious of this, but for a very long time, I've been aware that that pattern does not work well. Um, Every once in a while, someone has said to me, you're not really listening to me. It got very explicit, but what was the answer to that? What was the the change that would take that oh-so-common but oh-so-ineffective method of interacting with people and make it better? Um, I'm very accustomed to reading articles and listening to pundits saying, we've got to make this better, but they never tell you how. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I asked the question, how can this be better? It has to do with being able to stop my own process, being able to stop that common, everyday, conversational habit we have of not listening, of preparing to reply, of thinking about the story that I know that matches the story that you just told. And I want to tell you what my experience is, but that's reactionary listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or reactive, I I don't have a name for it, but reactive listening. If I can stop that, and it just takes a second, then I can say to myself, put that aside, listen, Take in how it is for the person that's speaking. What are they saying? What's the emotional quality? That's the big piece. So if they're telling me something, let's say, that's sad, they're telling me that someone in their world is troubled or they're troubled and there's sadness, can I hold that sadness inside me? And, of course, I have to relate it to my own experience of sadness, but trying very hard to keep my own experience only as the background, only as the the container in which I hold the other person's emotion. And when I when it's my turn, when it's when I am to say something, to be able to reflect to them what I heard its emotional quality, 
So there's something about this that's really sad for you, for example, having held it inside of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, what you, you said there is very rich, and in a way, as people listen to this, um, what I want to make sure of is to say, okay, what we're going to do is, in a way, the rest of this conversation is going to be to develop this and go slower in a way and, 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 and have different approaches to it so that it will become more obvious. Okay. Um, and, uh, but just to take one thing, just one thing about the many things you said, um, we started with that opposition between, oh, is mindfulness something about looking inside, and this is about interaction. Mm-hmm. And one of the things uh, you're describing is to say, actually, you know, this is very much, you know, a way of thinking about mindfulness in action. That, in a way, noticing that the reactive, reactionary way we behave in conversation doesn't really produce very satisfying results. And so that there is something that needs to be changed. And the change you're describing is something that happens inside uh, as you are dealing with a conversation. And so you're saying, you know, yeah, I'm noticing that the normal tendency for me as were for most other, for other people in general is to, you know, in a way be really preparing what I'm going to say next. It's going to have some relationship to what you're saying, but what I'm saying next. And instead, you know, stopping to take a moment to reorganize and refocus, and, and that's what you're describing there. Okay, so so in a way, we have there established a link to the mindfulness traditions about how it happens in interaction. Exactly. So I'm thinking about the different interactions I might have, and obviously the ideal one would be with another person who knows how to be mindful who can be in a conversation with someone who's going to stop and go and inside and say, I want to be present to this conversation. I would like the day-to-day practice of this kind of interaction to be possible whether I'm in interaction with someone who knows anything about mindfulness practices or not. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to do this with somebody who's in my face and angry. And every once in a while I have been able to do it with such a person and they change. They can't stay where they are if I'm not doing what they expect me to do. But that's getting ahead of your question. But there, uh, is, there is a part, you know, that's a very important quality because you're saying, you know, I want to have that quality of conversation even with people who have not paid attention to this, who have not paid special attention to mindfulness, who don't have that objective. And so it's a sense of, you know, this is my quality of life, this is my quality of interaction, this is the world I want to live in, and I'm experimenting with what I am doing in the world that might actually help the situations change. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, I remember having a conversation with you about 
resolving conflict. Mm-hmm. And it came to me in that context that conflict conversations are, of course, for me, the most difficult. They're mm-hmm. the ones that that break down my good intentions, that take me away from mindfulness, that bring me into very primitive ways of being. And those are the ones that I want. They're, they're kind of my... You know, my, my ultimate goal, can I get to the point where I can handle even those? Um, obviously easier to practice this with people who are like-minded. And so in my circle of friends and acquaintances, that's the kind of thing that we do. We say, okay, can we, in this very gentle, protected setting, mm-hmm. can we pause and say, I want to be present in this different way? to this interaction. When you were speaking earlier, I thought to myself that people might look at this as, well, this is just for friendship or maybe for close relationship. I would like to say that this is a practice that can make anything that you want to be intimate and I don't mean that in the, the sense of romantic intimacy, but just anything that you want to be a closer relationship will become so, taking this approach. But I would like business people to think about this, too. And, you know, any kind of uh, context you can think of, I believe that this kind of practice can help. And mm-hmm. I, I was sitting here while you were talking, thinking about being in a conference room in a negotiation, let's say, maybe one that's going uh, with some difficulty, and being able to practice this, being able to pause and stop the normal sort of combative process and be present to what the other person is feeling and having in their own body and being able to respond to that. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and again, very nicely, you describe the DNA of this moment. So uh, the goal is to be more present. But very often uh, in, in language, we talk about things like be present. And um, there is, um, it's, it's almost an abstraction. And you're describing the DNA of the moment. You say there's this conversation happening and it's in a business setting and so it's not necessarily the setting that you normally associate uh, with a mindfulness practice, for instance. But in this moment, you know, that uh, something is going to shift, you say, uh, there is an intention. You know, mm-hmm. so in any mindfulness practice, There is intentionality. And so there is an intention, and the intention is to be present. And the intention is to be able to take in uh, the exchange uh, of of understanding. And uh, and understanding not just in words, but certainly taking in. And, uh, And there is that little tool, uh, that skillful means of stopping. Mm-hmm. So the intentionality to be present, the idea that present, uh, the intention to take in, not just uh, in a way, it's not just about me, it's not just about making points, and that sense that in order to do that, before you do much else, uh, you know, the intentionality has to be followed 
by actually stopping. You put it beautifully, and listening to it, I I heard the gap. Okay, great. That I need to fill in. Intentionality was the word that had come as we were beginning this piece. Intentionality, I find for myself very difficult to bring in instantaneously, and my. Coming to this place in my life has been a long process of building. I think what I would call a life intention. That life intention came out of failures, many many failures of interaction, failures of entire relationships. I don't believe every interaction has to be. I'm sorry, every intention has to be a. Reaction to failure, but I know that mine is. So I didn't come to this just in the moment to say I would like this next interaction I have to be better. There's a much longer lead of building an intention to say I want all my interactions to be better, to be more productive, and here's the gap: more respectful. I want to be respected, and I want to build on that by giving that respect to others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so, so I want to interrupt you there because again, there's a very rich thing, and and as you're pointing out, one gap and actually a couple of gaps that uh, you know we talk about intentionality. And all the language about intentionality may be actually a self-defeating process until we realize that when something is difficult, intentionality in the moment is not enough. Because in a way, it's the same thing as if you're trying to learn something that's very different. You're trying to, to swim, you're trying to, to play tennis, you're trying to ride a bicycle, you're trying a different language. And uh, intentionality alone you know, is not going to do the trick. And you're going to have the skillful means and you're going to have the practice and you're going to have to build all of the underpinnings that are going to make it possible for that intentionality to actually turn into something that's meaningful as opposed to just wishful thinking. So very, very, very powerful point there. And you highlighted another thing is, in a way, to say that it's not, you know, that with that intentionality, with that wondering, with that pondering about what is it that's going to make this possible, uh, came the notion of it has to be built on respect. Right. And the gap that showed up with that, <laughs> <laughs> very well said, and it's so cool to see these pieces coming together. So we've got... We've got something that triggers a person to say, I want this to be better. Now, they may say, I want it to be different, like I did, but they could just say, I want it to be better. Either way, that starts the intentionality. I want it to be built on respect, but when you said the thing about learning to ride a bicycle, I thought, oh, that's right, the fundamental skill I brought was the years I spent learning to be a respectful, non-judgmental, compassionate listener. 
which is pretty much the opposite of a reacting listener. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that skill is in there, and that has to be, well, let's talk about that. I think that has to be learned, but there are many people who are very good at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so maybe we're not going into the opposition of learning versus being natural, but certainly learning in the sense of even if it's natural, recognizing it, emphasizing it. So maybe there's a continuum. Some people are really good at it. Some people are not that good at it. But actually, if we start to notice how helpful it is in terms of our larger goals, then it's something we can nurture. Oh, you used the word notice, and that's exactly it. So I would challenge myself to go for the next, you know, whatever it took, 24 hours, 48 hours, and every conversation that I had, just do this little exercise. Notice if I'm responding out of that non-judgmental, compassionate listening, or am I responding out of that need to tell my story, my reaction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. We can, if we can do that, if we can say it's either that or that, Can I go for the next period of time and just just make a little log and say, okay, I talked to Serge, and was I reacting in my responses to him, or was I listening mm-hmm. in that not just mental way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay. I can have this, you know, reflecting and say, you know, and so am I reacting, or am I listening? And when you say listening, you were orienting the other side. Okay. So in a way, visually emphasizing um, that whole orientation. And, and so, uh, in a way, you know, I, I think of it my own, in my own metaphor, it's what I call the sunflower, you know, orienting to where the sun is. But what you are describing is, in a way, noticing and noticing how you are in relationship to uh, the conversation. And that form of relationship can be one of reacting, what am I going to say, or uh, orienting toward, oh, I want to hear what the other person has to say, I want to listen. And so there was a very powerful thing that you're noticing how you're orienting to where you are. It's interesting that when I heard it reflected in that way, that it was one side or the other, Mm-hmm my insides were correcting that Mm. and saying that the reacting to the person I'm interacting with is a very basic, I don't quite want to go to reptilian, but almost, it feels almost instinctive. That's just, that's the pattern, Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. the way I raised, that's the way everybody does it, it just feels like this common, uh, I'm, I am going to say not mindful way of being in conversation, and what came inside of me was more like um, an elevation, uh, an evolution, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next steps beyond that are to be mindful in the conversation, in the interaction, to be mindful in it 
And then to be able to do these steps we've described, to pause, to take the other person in fully what they're saying, how they're saying it, the emotions they describe, and the emotions that I may empathically pick up, and hold that inside so that I'm truly reflecting and being with how it is for them. That feels like an evolutionary step in listening. Great, great. And so uh, it feels very nice, actually, that you're describing that inner landscape, that sense of... Uh, that felt sense of yourself uh, in the same time as describing the process. Because in a way, the steps are not something that is mechanical, but it corresponds to a whole person thing. And so you describe, you say, no, the, the, the reacting is, is not just a side. It's kind of a knee-jerk process, and uh, it's in a way the reptilian brain, so that's the, the very basic part of us. And then, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to stay in that reptilian brain. I, want, I don't want to stay in that primitive part of me. And you have that sense of wanting to go higher and, say, connect to the more evolved part of our nervous system, of our brain, of the evolution. And I'm more than just a reptilian knee-jerk reaction. And from that I'm more, you're connected to the part of you that is more. And then that part can actually manifest that in the process of listening and of having that process that you're describing. Exactly. Let me take that in. I really like the more. I am more than my reactions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's an interesting part, because then, you know, in a way, what we're talking about is we're talking about um, a process of listening. And whenever people hear things about, you know, how to interact with other people, often in our culture we put it in self-help terms of uh, seven ways to do this or here's a three-step process to do that, that's very mechanical. And as I'm hearing you, what I'm hearing is, um, you know, in a way there's a sense of who am I and I can see in myself, yeah, of course, I am that, you know, primitive, reactive structure. But there's more to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's more to me. And that more of me, that more mindful place, is a part that actually feels good to inhabit. Because I have a sense of being more than just a reactive thing. And so by being into more, you know, I listen. Therefore, I am more. You know, by being the the, the shifting attention to the part of me that is able to take in, to stop and take in and listen in that way, uh, is not just doing something that, oh, I happen to do this trick, but in that moment, I am more than just a reactive animal, and I'm also capable of being that more. And I have a different sense of self. It's so important to me, and I hope to others, to notice this, what you've laid out so well, 
because in our primitive state, what we're trying to do is survive. And survival often brings out in people these very primitive responses because they are trying, they're struggling just to live. And what you and I are talking about is what presents itself to us as humans, that we can do so much more than that. I'm going to have to leave aside for the moment the fact that many people are in survival situations, but there are so many of us who can pursue these intentions to be more, to interact in ways that foster a higher level of being and thinking so that we can rise above those survival mechanisms, those survival reactions, and those survival actions. And I go back to thinking about conflict. I know that when I've been in interaction that devolved into conflict or even started out in conflict, it has felt like survival was at stake. But in being this way, in saying, I'm going to do something for me that's better than that. I'm going to live in the place where I am more than those base instincts and preservation needs. I can interact with people such that something is created that's more than we had to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so... So, in a way, as I'm hearing you, um, I'm almost, my original intent was to capture the, the sense of what you're saying. And I'm tempted to actually instead to reflect on the emotion that I'm resonating with as you talk. And uh, it's a sense of feeling moved because it's a sense of, you know, you might feel threatened, but you're safe. Mm-hmm. And and also that, you know, we're not taking safety for granted, as you pointed out. Not everybody is safe, and not every moment of our life we're safe. But there is something very wonderful about and very moving about recognizing when we're safe and not uh, acting or reacting from a place of fear, when we actually can be safe. And there is something very moving and life-affirming, and of the more, um, in making the world safer, or in experiencing ourselves safe, you know, instead of being trapped into the fear mode, when we can, when it's legitimate. I like the way you said that, and I want to, I want to try it, when you said making the world safe, and of course we're acknowledging that safety is, in this discussion, operating on two levels. There's the reality of whether I'm physically safe or not. But there's the sense that so many people have that they are not safe in interaction with another person. They don't believe that they have a way to understand that person's motives and intentions. Mm -hmm. They go into interaction 
with that sort of ignorance. And what we're saying here is that they have the power within themselves if they go into the interaction with this intention to interact differently, to really take the other person in as the other person presents themselves in the moment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that, so I'm going to bring it into myself now that I can, in that interaction, keep myself perfectly safe. I can be comfortable, I can be peaceful, I can be present, I can be intentional about how I want to be in the interaction, no matter what the other person is doing. And I wouldn't say this hypothetically, I've done this, I've seen this work, where mm -hmm. the other person is angry and might have felt very threatening to me at an earlier time. But because I enter the interaction with this intention and this practice, I can let them be as angry as they want to be. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't have that effect. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, as you're talking, um, I'm shifting from wanting to resonate in words with wanting to resonate emotionally and this time to share an image. And the image that comes to mind as you're talking is in a bullfight. And in a bullfight, uh, the bullfighter, uh, you know, any of us in, uh, in front of a raging bull would be legitimately scared. There's a very real danger in the bull. And in addition, this is a bull who's been goaded into becoming more and more and more angry. So in the midst of that danger, uh, what allows the bullfighter to interact is actually to keeping his calm uh, so that he's able to redirect the anger and to sidestep it and find control uh, in the midst of what could be an incredibly scary situation. So I'm, I'm realizing the limitations of my example because in a way lots of people may react to bullfighting as being a bad place or that bullfighting is actually very manipulative because it's turning the, 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 the bull's anger to actually dominate it. But uh, my point there is not to talk about being manipulative, but just to not be scared and finding one's center in the middle of what could be a very scary situation. I want to stay with your metaphor, even though it has the weakness of bullfighting being something that those with a sense of humanity don't want for sport, but in the in the realm of symbolizing how it is for me, it is a brilliant metaphor, because that sidestepping, that ability to simply step out of the bull's way, never mind all of the horrors of bullfighting in real life, leave those out, but the ability to sidestep the bull, to simply step out of the way of the charge, of the emotion, to let the bull be the bull while I remain calm and safe is the perfect way of saying it. It reminds me of something someone said to me once, and it may have been, it was many years ago, and it may have been the beginning of this journey. He said to me, your goal might be that even if your head was in the mouth of a tiger, 
So take that in for a moment. Your <laughs> head is in the mouth of a tiger. Not a good position to be in. Your heart may be as still as the lotus blossom. Hmm. Even when your head is in the mouth of the tiger, your heart is as still as the lotus blossom. Yeah. And if I wanted to, to, to frame this entire conversation in what is the intention here, it is to be that calm and that intentional and that present in any part of my life, whether I'm in the midst of a solitary mindfulness practice or I'm at the other extreme for me, which is in interaction with a person who's really angry, who's really emotional, who's who's even blaming me for his anger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> aiming it at me. His, his horns are set and he's aiming it at me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, um, so, uh, with that sense, as we're again focusing on the part of, you know, in a way, mindfulness happens in me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the world outside can be as dangerous as a bull that's raging, or even more so, you know, a tiger holding my head in its mouth. But what's happening in my heart? What's happening in my body? How am I keeping my integrity and my stillness? And obviously these are extreme examples and so we're not trying to make people um, intimidated by saying we have mastered. I mean, I think both you and I would agree about how vast our limitations are. And maybe I, I can... I'm very aware that my limitations are bigger than my achievements in this respect. So it's not at all talking about we found a path of um, uh, becoming superhuman. Far from that. Uh, I I will stay with you on the human side of the street. (laughs) I certainly certainly don't claim any superhuman abilities, although I'd like to. But, um, yeah, but I think what you also said, that's really important is that it begins with the mindfulness practice. It begins with me, with becoming present to what are the things I want out of life and what are the things I want to bring to the other people that are in my life. And I'm not in the business of convincing anybody else that they should pursue a mindfulness practice. I know it's good for me. But I am in the business of interacting with other human beings. That's the good part of being human. (laughs) (laughs) She says with a little bit of hesitation. (laughs) Like like an acquired taste. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not that. It's years of difficulty. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, this, 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 Many of us like this poem that says this being human is like a guest house, but this being human is also a struggle yeah. to master. And and I'm not I'm so far from mastery. I'm I'm a beginner, but I do believe that once I set my feet on the mindfulness path, and I 
began to understand that my interactions with people were challenged, then it opened up to say, so what can I do about it and how can I bring these skills? The skill of presence that I got from mindfulness, the skill of listening in the non-judgmental way that I got from interaction practices and, and the practice that we call focusing, Mm-hmm. Those are listening skills that I bring. And then the desire to be respected and to give respect. You know, mostly you hear people say, I want to be respected, but that's only half the equation. The other half of it is I want to be respected by giving the respect that I want in return. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, the same goes, of course, for I want to be heard. And uh, and so it's very nice of how you make the parallel. I want to be respected, and it starts with giving respect, and I want to be heard. And it starts from that practice of wanting, you know, to hear other people. Mm-hmm. I um, want to be heard, and therefore will give that gift of hearing. Yeah. So, so I think we've got the building blocks here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to, in a way, kind of maybe now start to put some of these pieces together as some kind of a bookmark, and um, and and uh, and what you know comes across is a sense of um, interaction with people as being something where we bring our curiosity to you know the curiosity that we usually have about mindfulness. And we think of interaction as an opportunity for mindful practice of how, uh, you know, how can I be myself in this conversation that manifests the kind of world, the kind of relationship that I want to have. And um, that is based on realizing how important it is to feel heard and therefore of wanting to manifest the hearing others, and then uh, in a way from that place and the sense of I am, you know, who I want to be by practicing it, uh, maybe we can come back to describing the steps that you were describing at the beginning that you have reminded people, you know, throughout this conversation of what happens, what are, what, what, what's that focusing, uh, listening attitude that we bring to a conversation. But this time, you know, putting it in the context of being a mindfulness practice, and a mindfulness practice not as an exercise uh, that's almost abstract, but in a way to rise uh, from being just, in a way, just the reactive person to being more, to being more of what I want to be, to living in more of the kind of world I want to be. You know, what is it that helps shift that sense? Okay, so so I'm putting it in a set of steps. And I said before that there is this larger context, but let's assume that we're past that, that these are the steps once I've already decided I am setting the intention that I want my interactions to be improved in this way. Mm-hmm. And you said the key word. <laughs> you said the word practice. And I'm noticing that the word practice as we use it has two different meanings. I talk about my mindfulness 
I mean that there's a set of activities that I pursue. I meditate each day. I also call it I meditate on the fly when I'm, you know, on the subway or whatever. I may stop and do a short meditation, but... Um, and then I have other steps that I take that comprise my practice. But what I'm going to use practice to mean is literally go and find someone with whom to have an interaction to practice these skills where there isn't a danger of that person becoming reactive because there's an agreement in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're going to have this interaction in order to practice these skills in an artificially safe environment that we create. So, and that's what I got from learning the listening skills I did because it was years of practice with people with whom I had an agreement that it would be safe, that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't attack each other, that we wouldn't criticize each other. Our rules are no criticism, no judgment, no advice giving, no commentary, no uh, direct questioning. So there is that environment that can be created for the practice of the skills. So once you are present to yourself, you've had enough practice of some kind of mindfulness that you know what your intentions are and you're firm in them then you have learned listening skills so that you can hear another person without judgment. You can hold their being, how they are, how they're expressing it, with compassion. And we didn't talk too much about this, but there is the reflection piece. Mm -hmm. That reflection piece, you talked about being heard, and it's crucial that I, the listener, am able to say a non-judgmental, critical, questioning thing back to my speaker so that he or she knows I really heard it, I really got it. And this is one piece I want to say that I absolutely adore is if I get it wrong, there is none of the societal um, pressure about being right. Being wrong is actually a good thing because it allows the person who was speaking to say, no, that's not quite right. Let me get it exact. And I, the listener, didn't make a mistake. Oh, God. No, I reflected as best I could, and the list, and the speaker gets to make it exactly right for them. Right, right. And so that's a nice part in a way. It's like when you play 20 questions. Um, you know, you're not so worried about having it right because it's a process. And so this is not a quiz where you have, um, you have to have the right answer, but it's a process. And the result of this process is uh, trial and error. You get to be more in tune. Right. So you've listened, you've reflected, and you've been taking in, and this is the piece that I, I want to encourage, and I encourage myself to have a lot of safe practice for. Because it is simple to describe it, but it isn't that easy for me at least to do it. And that is to take in the other person's point of view and emotional quality 
And I want to point out, Serge, that you did it a couple of times during this conversation beautifully. And I want to point back to those where you said, I'm really tempted to reflect this from the emotion that I'm getting. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Really taking in how it is for that person, not just from what they, they said in their words, but from their gestures, their facial expressions. If you're sensitive to energies from another person, the energy that's coming from them, if you're empathic and you pick up on people's emotions and actually feel them, you know, people don't always realize that empathy is the ability to feel the emotion in your own body of another person. All of that together, hold that inside and then wait and just see what comes. I'm the listener and I'm listening to someone else. But in normal conversation, of course, it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. What we're doing here is saying, let's take a normal conversation where this person, I'm going to, I'm going to call him he for now. Mm-hmm. He, he says something and I hear him and I think, oh, I've got something about that. Let me tell him my something. And so I speak to him in reaction and then he hears it and he says, oh, okay, here's my piece about that. So we're going to stop that. And we're going to instead have him say his piece. And I'm going to take it in, and I'm going to see how it is inside me when I hear how it is for him. I'm going to reflect what I heard. He's going to say, yeah, that's about it. And then it's my turn to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I speak, and I am, of course, going to be influenced in what I say by how it was for him. I practically can't help it. And I'm not saying that that I'm going to be reactionary, but what I'm saying is that as I take in another person, I'm immediately changed. I'm forever changed. I've just taken in how it is for someone else. That's added something. It's added an idea. It's added... Um, a feeling, it's added something to my experience in living by being with that other person. So I'm going to say something back to him. Now, now it depends on whether we're both being mindful about this interaction or it's only me trying to be mindful and different in interaction with someone who doesn't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you're describing this process of respect and mutuality um, where we realize that it's impossible for me to be heard and you to be heard at the same time, and so we have to do it sequentially. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, what next? So... What you, I think my, my sense of my, my focus would be on what you pointed out of how a healthy respect for while the ideas are simple, it is difficult. And so a sense of practice and experiment, mm-hmm. uh, and not to be too worried about doing it right, but in finding some people 
uh, who, with whom you can have an atmosphere of trust and respect um, to, in a way, play and practice mm-hmm. what we're talking about so that it's actually concrete and you can have the satisfaction of noticing what works instead of feeling de-skilled by, oh, it has to be done this way or that way, but just uh, just play with it. So there's a couple of practical thoughts. We said one of them earlier, and that is to do this little um, mental log of taking, you know, the next 48 hours and noticing. Don't do anything different. Just notice. How are your conversations with other people? Do they tend to be this sort of reacting and bringing up my story when I hear your story? Just notice. Is that the pattern that exists in your life? Um, the second thing I would say is there's sort of a little uh, inventory or checklist. Have I given thought to this question of interaction? Do I have an experience that I know that I want to change? And so what is the intention to change? What is it I would like to achieve? Would I like to be more respected? and give respect? Would I like to be heard better? And in what contexts? You know, work is different from home, is different from my community of practice. Um, Where am I going to pursue this? How are my listening skills? Start to notice when I hear something, how do I start? What's my inner talk about it? And that's something I can do in my mindfulness practice. So when those thoughts intrude, of course, we know what we're supposed to do with them. But when those thoughts intrude, maybe outside of our mindfulness practice, what's the inner conversation that's going on? Is it as respectful as I'd like it to be? So imagining those voices in my head are an interaction. Um, And so there might be some work to be done on listening skills and and that um, piece of it. So there's the... The presence, the respect, intention, the listening skills. Then there's the reflecting part of the listening skills, which is just its own chunk. It's something that that really does need practice in a safe environment. And we know how to do that. And then there's the partnering. There's getting somebody to practice this with in a safe way. And then, of course, there is the vast open laboratory of experimentation with the rest of the human race <laughs> and seeing, you know, where can I apply this? Can I, can I try this? And, and there will be missteps. There will be moments when I've had people say to me, what is it you're doing? It, it feels like one of those airy fairy, th- you know, and you're going to have moments like that when people may not like what you're doing or maybe you weren't as subtle as you will get to be about it. Um, And then there's that moment when you find yourself in the most hellish interaction you could ever imagine. For me, it was a man coming at me physically, yelling at me, accusing me of doing wrong things. And I sidestepped. The bull was charging, and I sidestepped him. I said, I'm not going to play your game. I see that you're very angry about this, but I'm not going to get go there with you. And it changed the entire interaction, and it didn't go 
where it looked like it was going to go. So there's that moment that I anticipate when I get to see these skills realized. And that may not be the best example. I think the best example would be being in interaction with someone like I was the other day with my friend where we had this mutual admiration, explicit, expressed, felt, and enjoyed that our interactions were exactly as satisfying as we would like them to be. Mm. So I feel I want to share a sense of great contentment as you shifted, you know, from that intense situation to uh, that moment with your friend. Um, and I noticed inside that that sense of, you know, that's the beauty of actually, it's not just a problem solving and avoiding these these awful, but there's an incredible beauty of feeling in sync and of uh, noticing of how much in ordinary conversations, when they're not so contentious, but we deprive ourselves of the richness and the joy of feeling so fully in sync. And I like very much that you uh, you mentioned this as, in a way, kind of uh, an image that sets the goal of um, you know the, of what we're doing here. I think you make an absolutely essential point that we are a problem-solving species. Let's face it; we do tend to look at the world through the lens of, "Oh my God, there's a problem I've got to solve. What am I going to do?" And I think that one of the reasons I've arrived at today the way that I am is because I have these partnerships with these people. And I love this phrase, the mutual admiration society. (laughs) (laughs) That I have friendships that have been deepened by this kind of respectful interaction for years. And we're very explicit about it at least once a year. We're not explicit about it every week. That might be a little bit much, but we're very explicit about our admiration of each other as individuals and of what we have created by being together in these interactions in this way. And that is the, the ground on which I have planted my feet and said, I want more of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so maybe this is a part where we're not just talking about communication interaction, but we're talking about savoring the good and living in the good more. You know, and again, this is of how it interacts with some of the larger goals of mindfulness. We're not just in a how to have a good conversation or how to have a good interaction, but how to live in a better world by shifting our attention to it. I can't think of a better way to say it. I noticed a while back that my world was pretty cluttered with negativity. Uh, I'm particularly conscious of this when I turn my attention to any media. I have a, a, a mathematical background and I look at the universe in terms of percentages of things and if you look at your life as not a number but a sum total of something I want more than 50% of my life to be goodness 
<laughs> and it wasn't really there yet. And the more human interactions that you can move into or on, onto the side of, we're back to sides again, this side or that side, but the, the more that you can move into the, the sector of I'm grateful for that, it was nourishing for me. It was nourishing for the other person. It was a benefit to all concerned. I'm, I'm grateful for that. The more interactions I can move into that sector, the more I improve the quality of my life and the more I demonstrate to others what that good quality of life can be like for them. Um, I, 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 this is a delicate topic for me, but I think that that is a goal that I don't need other people to embrace, but it is the one that I'm embracing that more goodness as experienced in gratitude is where I want to keep my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it sends an energy out into the universe that is beneficial. Yeah. yeah. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.